Hey guys, welcome to Liquid Church Online. I'm Pastor Tim. It is an honor to come into your home today, or if you're live streaming on YouTube or Facebook, so glad you're with us. We are in a special series called Friends of the Family, in which we're hearing some world-class preachers and pastors who are friends of our church family right here at Liquid. And today, I'm so excited for you to meet my good friend, Tommy Kalanen, otherwise known as Urban D. He is a hip-hop artist turned pastor who leads Crossover Church in Tampa, Florida. Now, Tommy and I met all the way out on the West Coast when we were speaking together at Saddleback Church in Southern California. And Tommy didn't just speak, he rapped. He performed spoken word, this hip-hop piece, right in the middle of his message. And I thought, man, I want to share him with our church family right here at Liquid. Now, as a hip-hop artist, Urban D has released nine albums. He's performed at global concerts in Japan, Australia, the UK, Germany, Nigeria. But today, he's here to bless New Jersey and our Liquid family online. So guys, would you light up the chat, give a big Liquid welcome to my good friend, Urban D. Liquid Church, what's good? What's happening? How y'all doing? I am a friend of the family. I just want to let you guys know that you have a bunch of fans all the way down in Tampa, Florida. That's right. My boy, Pastor Tim, is a creative genius. And so we are regularly watching what you guys are doing. And you guys are crushing it. Sometimes when you're in the middle of something amazing, you can kind of take it for granted. So take it from me from like a thousand miles away. Like you guys are doing some amazing stuff. You're innovators and so many other churches are watching what you guys are doing. So I just want to say thank you and give you guys a shout out. I want to brag about my fam real quick. This is my family, so pop up that picture. That's my wife, Lucy. That's my two daughters, Diana and Sophia. So as you can see, I'm outnumbered. It's all ladies in the house. On top of that, it's Puerto Rican ladies. So come on, pray for a brother. Pray for a brother, right? Nah, but amazing stuff is happening in my house. Amazing food, too, right? My wife is originally from New York City, from Queens, not too far away from you guys, and I'm from the other side of the river over in Philly. So we got that East Coast flavor. We're going to vibe today, y'all, for real, for real. And so, but we've been down in Tampa, Florida, uh, ministering and leading our crossover church for over two decades. And I know Florida, it's a tough gig, but hey, somebody's got to do it. And so we're just suffering for Jesus down here in Florida. So, you know, just, just pray for us, lift us up. Uh, but hey, I'm excited to be with you guys today, and we're going to have some real talk today. I know a lot of us, we feel like our lives have literally been stolen from COVID-19. And so before we dive into the message, though, I want to help us get an eternal perspective. Check out this spoken word piece that I did called Eternal. My memories have been on shuffle, thinking about the good times, but now it all sounds muffled. My heart is so troubled. My dad had an aneurysm and never fully recovered. He laid in bed for 16 years, 
320 days and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed that my pops would get raised but eventually he got worse and died and I wrestled with the creator and cried out God why do the good ones have to die at first I didn't get a clear answer in the middle of that pain my mom got diagnosed with cancer I'm seeing her deteriorate into a different person physically and emotionally the situation continued to worsen but I know somehow God's got this but after a three-year battle my mom got put on hospice so hard to watch this someone so full of life now could no longer walk someone that was so full of words now didn't have the energy to talk but she fought and he fought and I held on to the scriptures that they taught See, they fought their fight, finished their race They taught me grace, they set the pace And now they get to see their creator's face So write these emotions in my journal There's a word that comforts me, eternal Because our soul lives on after we leave this earth And the Bible promises heaven To those who have a spiritual rebirth With Jesus, he comforts us, he frees us So the best is yet to come, it's gonna get better I see you soon, fam, cause we're gonna live forever. Heavenly Father, we come before you today and we pause. We declare you're a good God. Even in the middle of a crisis, even in the middle of a pandemic. And God, I, I know that so many of us, we've lost some different things during this season that we've been through. Some people have lost some loved ones, some family. Some people have lost a job, maybe. Some people have maybe even lost some finances. God, all of us, we've lost some of the abilities to go out and do the things we normally did before. So now, God, as we step into this new normal and we rebuild, God, I pray that you'll give us the tools that we need for this next season. And God, I pray for the Liquid Church family that over these next few minutes that you'll equip them to bring that living water into this dry wasteland and bring new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, listen, anytime there is a good opportunity that comes up, I can guarantee you that there's going to be some opposition that will come up against it. And you know what? Sometimes that opposition, it's just us. It's our own thinking, it's our own thoughts, it's our doubts. Sometimes it is our friends or our family or it's our finances or it's some random circumstance. Anytime there's an opportunity, there will be some opposition, right? That, that's reality. But I want to flip it today on y'all and look at it the other way around. So every time there's an opportunity, there's going to be opposition. But also, every time there's opposition, there's opportunity. What if we looked at it more often like that? When there's opposition, when there's a crisis, when there's a pandemic, man, God could be up to something. I believe if we looked at it like that more often, we'd have more amazing rebuilding stories. And I've got one for you guys today. I'm going to tell you about how my life was stolen. And I, I know a lot of us, you, you feel like your life has been stolen maybe from COVID-19. 
It's a lot of things that maybe have been stolen. So before we dive into the message, I'm going to give us some tools on how we can rebuild and, and restore and recover, right? But, but I want to ask you guys, how many of you have ever gotten something stolen before? Come on, help me out. Just put it right there in the comments. Type it out right now. What have you gotten stolen before? Type it in. Ready? Go. And I'm going to look at all these comments later. And I'm sure there's going to be some good ones because y'all are in New Jersey. And like I know about Jersey. I, I'm, I'm from right across the river over in Philly. And so, so go ahead and type in whatever you got stolen before and we can compare stolen stories and whatnot, right? So for me, I grew up in Philly. I had some stuff stolen, y'all. Some of y'all know about Philly. And so I actually had three different car stereos stolen. Not all at the same time, but I had the, you know, this pioneer fancy like, you know, CD player and it got stolen. So then I said, you know what? I'm going to get that new thing that just came out. It's called the pull-out car stereo. Some of y'all don't know about that. That, that, that's what it looked like. I'm going to school some of y'all youngins right now. Um, the pull-out car stereo, so you would literally like, like pull it out of your dashboard, had a little handle, and you would walk with it at night into your house. You'd be like chilling. Well, one night I forgot to pull it out, and somebody else pulled it out for me. And so uh, then I got fancy, and I said, well, I'm going to upgrade, and they got this new thing that came out now. It's called the detachable face. So I don't have to lug this big, you know, stereo, and I got other stuff I'm carrying. So then I got the detachable face. You just take it off, put it in your pocket. Well, I didn't detach it a couple times, and nothing happened, and I got lazy, and then eventually somebody else detached it for me. Yep. Eventually, I, I, one time I got my rims stolen. I got my whole car stolen. And so, hey, whatever you just got typed in the comments or what you got stolen before, yo, I feel you. I feel your pain. So we've all gotten some stuff stolen before, right? But I thought that as I got into ministry, that God would protect me when I'm doing ministry so nothing would get stolen, right? Sounds good, right? That, that's what I thought. So a couple years ago, I was, I was here at the church in Tampa, did a leadership class, and uh, I was on a Tuesday night. And so afterwards, I was looking for my phone. I got in my car. I'm looking for my phone. I can't find it. I'm looking under the seats. I, I need my flashlight, but my flashlight's on my phone, right? Everything's on our phone, right? Our life is on our phone. And so I'm freaking out. I'm, I'm tracing back my steps and I'm walking around to my office, looking at my book bag, can't find it. So I go home and I ask my wife, I say, hey, I can't find my phone. What am I going to do? She said, listen, you can look it up on the cloud. Now at the time I was a little bit new to the iPhone game. I didn't know that. I was like, yo, it's got like a tracking device in it. Oh, this is cool. So I went and I went on iCloud.com and typed in my number and it popped up and it said, your phone is offline. And I'm like, ah, I forgot to charge it. How many of y'all got that problem? I, my phone is always going dead, right? But, but I checked off this little box that said, notify me if it comes online. So checked that off, went to bed, got up the next morning, checked my email, and sure enough, at 4.58 a.m., my phone popped up at an apartment that was right behind the church, like a block away. I was like, oh, here we go. We're going to get my phone. And so I borrowed my wife's phone, and I had the little blue dot tracing where my phone was at, and I got to the church. I wasn't going to go alone, so I grabbed the first person I saw. I grabbed uh, the, the maintenance guy at the church. I'm like, come on, bro. We're going to get my phone. So we show up at the apartment complex down the block. I'm like, Detective Tommy, I'm ready. I'm like, we're going to get my phone. I'm going to knock on the door and be like, look, I know my phone's in there. Give it up, right? So, but we pull up, and all the apartments are close together. It's multi-stories, and we can't exactly tell where the blue dot is. And I'm like, I got an idea. 
let's walk down the hallways and let's go up to each door and let's, let's call it and let's listen and see if we hear it ringing. So we went up to each door. We, you hear anything? Nah, I, I don't hear anything. And so, so we just were going, looking crazy, going up and down this hallway, going by every door. Then we went up the stairwell and there was guys in the stairwell. They were, they were selling stuff urban pharmaceuticals, you could say. They asked us if we needed anything. We said, nah, you don't have anything we need. Well, wait a minute, maybe. Nah, you're good. So we went up to the second floor. We walked through there next to every door. Didn't hear anything. And so I was like, man, I, I don't know. So we left. I'm going back to the church. I'm feeling defeated. And guess what? It is the, the day that we have staff meeting. And I'm the lead pastor. And I got to lead this staff meeting with my team. And my head is not in the game because I'm thinking about my phone. How many of y'all know about the, the two-year contract? Well, I was only about two months deep into the contract. And so I'm thinking like, man, I can't afford a new iPhone full price. And so I'm having visions of going back to a flip phone. I'm, I'm freaking out. My head's not in the game. At the end of staff meeting, one of the other pastors came up to me and said, hey, man, the graphic designer just texted me. And he said he just talked to the guy that has your phone. So I immediately called him and found out that the guy that stole my phone didn't have an ID. So he took my phone to his neighbor's house. And he said, hey, man, I got this phone. If you take it to the pawn shop, you know, we could split the money. So his neighbor was like, yo, man, I just got out of prison a few months ago. I'm not trying to get in trouble. Where'd you get this phone from? So he starts looking at the phone. He's like, man, this is somebody's life in here. The pictures are still in here, all the contacts. And, and so as he's holding the phone, the phone rang. It was the graphic designer. And his neighbor answered and said, hello? Hey, whose phone is this? And the graphic designer said, it's Pastor Tommy's phone. And he said, hey, bro, you stole the pastor's phone. Right? And the other guy started saying some things I can't say in church right now. And so anyways, but the neighbor gave the graphic designer his number and said, hey, have the pastor call me. So what did I do? I called, I called the neighbor. I said, hey, man, th this is the pastor. I heard you're going to try to help me get my phone back. And, uh, and he said, hey, well, you know, it's my neighbor. He's a young buck. He's a knucklehead. And I can't make any promises, but, but I'll, I'll see what I can do. Let me go get him. Let me go get him. So I hear some footsteps, a door slams, some more footsteps. And then a voice gets on the phone that's a very different voice and says, Hello? So I'm talking to the guy that stole my phone. So imagine whatever you just typed in the comments or what you had stolen before. Imagine if you got to talk to that person. Now, this was a new one on me. I've been in urban ministry for a couple decades. And, you know, I'd always rehearse what I would say to that person. But now I'm talking to him. So, you know, I played the humble card because he still had my phone. Right. So I didn't say I'm pastor. I said, uh, hey, uh, my name is Tommy. And, uh, you know, I'm not trying to get anybody in trouble. Just trying to get my phone back. Hello? Hello? C can you hear me now? Is, it, is anybody there? No, no, no answer, right? So I'm like, who, who am I speaking with? Then he spoke. He said, you don't need to know my name, fool. I was like, oh, Lord, here we go. And let me tell you something. The conversation went from bad to worse. This guy was cursing me out. He was talking about the church. He was talking about my mama. And I felt my temperature rising. And I felt like Philly was about to come out, like Rocky. And I was about to do some things that pastors should not do. And so listen, y'all, when somebody presses your buttons, when opposition pops up, we can go from zero to 10 real fast, right? But remember, remember, what if we looked at it every time there's opposition, there could be an opportunity. God 
could be up to something. And so we're going to talk about that today for a couple of minutes. Like, what do we do as believers, as Christ followers, when opposition pops up and things happen? And so uh, Pastor Tim did an amazing job with the last series called The Dip. And in The Dip, even when things are rough, when you're in crisis, we looked at the book of Habakkuk, and, and even in the middle of that, God is still working. Even though it doesn't feel like it, God is still working, even in the dip, even in the opposition. So today we're going to look at Nehemiah chapter 4, and how should we respond? We're going to look at Nehemiah's story, how he responded when he was trying to rebuild. We're all trying to rebuild right now as we're coming out of this COVID crisis, right? And so if you don't know Nehemiah's story, let me just give you a little bit of backstory on it before we dive into chapter 4. So Nehemiah's people, a couple generations before that, literally their lives were stolen. Much more than a cell phone, much more than anything that you guys just typed in the comments. I mean, the Babylonians came in and destroyed their entire city, killed a bunch of people, and then took the rest of the people into exile, into slavery, over like a thousand miles away. So it was a very dark time. It was a crisis for the Jewish people. Now, fast forward two generations, and you had this young Jewish guy named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah, had, he had a good job, actually, much better than most of the people. Uh, he was working in the palace, in the bougie palace. He had a cushy job. He was the cupbearer. What's a cupbearer? We don't have those today, right? Well, a cupbearer was someone that would try whatever the king was going to eat or drink before he ate it. Because back in those days, if you wanted to kill somebody important, you would try to poison them. So let me tell you something. Nehemiah, he was eating good. He was drinking fine wines, exotic juices. He was eating steaks. and I mean, he was balling out. Job was a little risky, though. Probably had a good life insurance policy, right? But so there he was, just in the palace, doing pretty good. But he heard that a group of people, his people, went back to Jerusalem. They were allowed to go back now and begin to rebuild. And one of his relatives came back. His name was Hanani and came back from Jerusalem. And so he asked him, he said, hey man, how's the rebuilding going? And Hanani said, man, it's terrible. I mean, there's a famine, the walls are broken down. It is just a crisis. It is an epidemic right now. And so instead of just doing the Christian thing, which most of us, when someone's going through something, what do we say, y'all? I will, type it in the comments, I will, you guys are good. I will pray for you. That's what we normally say. It's a Christian thing to say but many times then we don't even pray, right? If you say that, like pray for somebody. Nehemiah, he prayed. What did he do? The Bible says he literally broke down and had compassion and he prayed and fasted and he repented for his people. And in that prayer and fasting, he said, God, what can I do? And God gave him this calling to say, you're gonna go and rebuild. You're gonna rebuild the walls. And so here he was, the cupbearer, and he came before the king and he had this request but see, if the king didn't like his request, guess what could happen, y'all? He could get fired, or worst case scenario, he could get killed. So it was risky for him to come before the king and say, hey, can I leave this job and go a thousand miles away and rebuild? But you know what? Because he prayed, because he fasted, because he was in the center of God's will. If you're in the center of God's will, even in the middle of opposition, God's going to bring opportunity. And so guess what? The king granted him that request and then said, Nehemiah, what else do you need? You need some supplies? I got you. You need some soldiers, some men? I got you. So this miracle happened in the middle of this opposition. This opportunity popped up, and he shows up, 
and he begins to rebuild the wall. And it's amazing, this incredible, miraculous opportunity. But then guess what happened? Opposition. And that takes us to chapter four of Nehemiah. This opposition pops up. They don't want them to rebuild. And so this is how we can apply some of this to our lives. Nehemiah chapter four, verses one and two. It says, when Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry. He was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews. Somebody type in ridiculed. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble as burned as they are? So listen, anytime you're trying to rebuild, you're trying to recover, you're trying to restore, reset, renew, reshape all the reeds that we're in right now, guess what? There's going to be some resistance and there's going to be some tactics of opposition that are going to come up against us. So we've got to be ready for it. So I want to give you three today that start with an R. The first one is this. The first one is ridicule. There's going to be ridicule when you are trying to rebuild in this season coming out of COVID, right? We got a clear example of that in Nehemiah chapter 4. Many times you hear, people hear you're rebuilding and they're going to ridicule. Some of the ridicule that you might get right now might be like, you can't rebuild your company. You'll never get a job again in that field. You'll never recover from COVID. This is always, it's just going to be terrible. And so those of us that are optimistic or hopeful, there's just people on the left and the right that can be ridiculing us and telling us like, we, we're not going to be able to move forward. It's never going to get back to what it was before. It's never going to get better. All those things. And so a lot of us, we can handle a lot of stress. I know y'all are from Jersey. Y'all can handle some stress. I can handle some stress, even as a leader, all the stuff that I have to handle. But when someone ridicules me, it's challenging. And so there I am, I, I'm on the phone with this guy that stole my phone and he's ridiculing me, my church, my mama. He's like saying all this stuff and I'm getting heated and I'm starting to think about my options. And that's what we begin to do when someone presses our buttons. And so there, there's some guys that are part of my church that they would do anything for their pastor, if you know what I'm saying. So, and I'm talking about some big dudes. We got a guy named Big Ray. He's like a world record powerlifting champ. Uh, we got my man Ryan. He used to play for the Bucks as like a linebacker. We got Big Tony. He's like a gym rat. So I was about to call some of these big guys from my church that love me, and we were going to go get my phone in Jesus' name. Right? You just put that little in Jesus' name on there. and that will, No, don't do that. Don't do that. No. So, so I knew that wasn't what I was supposed to do. I'm like, oh, but I, but I got these guys, and he don't know who he's talking to. And he don't know this pastor, and all this stuff's going through my head, right? And God's like, no, listen, listen, calm down, calm down. You know what? If people can't reason you out of something, many times they'll try to ridicule you because they think maybe you're actually going to be successful at it. And for Nehemiah, these guys were afraid that Nehemiah was actually going to succeed at rebuilding the wall. And so Nehemiah 4, they used name-calling. They said, you feeble Jews. They made fun of them. They exaggerated, even put words in their mouth, right? Sambalot said, will they finish in a day? They never said they were going to finish in a day. Right? Here's one thing about ridicule, y'all. It's contagious. If one person does it, then a bunch of other people can jump in. And we see that on social media all the time, right? So as you're rebuilding, as you're recovering, as you're renewing, you can see who your real friends are. Because those that start to ridicule you and come off the bench... Like, yeah. And so Sambalot, he started here 
in Nehemiah chapter 4, and then his sidekick kicked in, Tobiah, in verse 3. He had jokes too. And he said, yeah, even if a fox jumped up on the wall, it would fall apart. Then everybody was like, oh, like everybody was roasting Nehemiah and his squad, saying they're never going to rebuild. We'll just, keep, we'll just keep ridiculing them, making fun of them. So be aware there's going to be ridicule. Here's a second tactic of opposition that we're going to face, y'all. Resistance. Resistance. Look at verse 6. It says, so we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half of its height. For the people worked with all of their heart. But when Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the men of Ashad, when they heard that the repairs of the walls had gone ahead and the gaps were being closed, they were very, very angry. These guys were getting upset. They all plotted together to come together and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. So this dude, Sambalat, he had this gift to gather all the haters together. And so there was all these people around Jerusalem that just didn't like the Jews and wanted to take them out. Did you ever notice that negative people many times, they gravitate together? They just, they find each other. You know, we could see it online, we could see it in person, we can see it at our job. Negative people, many times they gravitate together. Some people in life, it seems like their whole mission in life is just to troll people. There's always that troll that's going to say something on your timeline, right? So expect it as you start to rebuild, reset, reshape, restore, renew, recover. In this next season, there's going to be, there's going to be some resistance, y'all. Expect it. But remember, with every opposition, there's opportunity. God's up to something. So even though there's ridicule, even though there's resistance, here's this third one, y'all. Rumors. Even though there's rumors, God could show up in a huge way. Look at what happened next in the story. Verse 11. It says, also our enemies said, before they know it or see us, we'll be right there amongst them and we'll kill them and we'll put an end to the work. The quickest way to start a rumor is to feed off of people's fear. Heard an acronym for fear. It's false evidence appearing real. And so if they can get you to just think it might be possible, then it can stir up panic. Right, see, they really didn't have enough soldiers to come in and take out the Jews that were rebuilding the walls, but they thought if we can just spread the rumors and spark the panic, then people would just drop their tools and they'll leave and we never have to lift a finger. It's all about the rumor. And the rumor mill has been rolling the last couple months, hasn't it? Ever since COVID started, I remember some of the rumors. When it first started, people were blowing up my phone saying, Pastor, martial law is coming. And people were texting me that martial law was coming. There was rumors that millions and millions of people were going to die. There was rumors that it was all fake. There was rumors that it was because of 5G, and that's the thing that's causing it. And of course, there's tons of other conspiracies and rumors that we can list. And I can guarantee you, as we continue to come out of this season, it's going to probably be a little while still, there's going to be lots of other rumors coming. So Liquid Church fam, I want to tell you guys, be careful what you listen to. Because not everything you hear is true. Not everything you read is true. Filter that through the Holy Spirit. Be careful, y'all. So resistance, ridicule, rumors, it's all around us, y'all. And know that when you're rebuilding, when you're resetting, when you're reshaping, when you're renewing, all those things, that opposition is going to come. You're going to get those three R's. They're going to be up in your face, y'all. So what are you going to do? 
What are you going to do? So, so there I was, y'all. I'm on my phone, and I'm, I'm talking to this guy who literally, like, stole my life because my life is on my device, right? My pictures, my contacts, all those things. And, and this guy's threatening me, and he's cursing me out, and he's saying all this stuff. I feel my temperature rising. And in the middle of that heated moment, I just reached out to God, and I said, God, what do I do here? Because I'm about to do something I shouldn't do. In the middle of that heated moment and all that noise, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. For real, for real. This doesn't always happen, but that day it happened. I thank God it did. And the Holy Spirit said to me, listen to what he's saying. This is exactly the kind of person that I use you to use uh, to reach all the time. This is why your church is planted in this neighborhood. Let them know that I love them and I have a plan for them. I'm like, all right, God, all right. <laughs> so I started to listen. And at that point in the conversation, he's going off about it. He doesn't trust anybody. He don't trust his brother. He don't trust his, his, his mom. You know, he just trusts money. And, and so I just jumped in. I said, hey, man. I said, I used to be just like that too. I didn't trust anybody. I was going through a season in my life. I was doing some things I shouldn't. And I was looking over my shoulder all the time. I didn't trust anyone. And I began to share my testimony and how Christ transformed me. And I was telling him, man, I'm from Philly, and, and, I, and I rap, and, and he was just suddenly like he was leaning in, and the tone of the conversation changed. And he started to ask me some questions. He started to agree with me on some things. And so I, I'm there in my office, and, and I'm starting to jump up and down. I'm like, yeah, God's getting them. I'm about to get my phone back. Woo! Click. I'm like, hello? Hello? You still there? Are you there? Hello? Hello? Did, did, did the call drop? Are you there? Right? Dude hung up on me. So I called the neighbor, and I'm like, hey, man, did, you know, I was just talking to your, your neighbor. Did, you know, what happened? He's like, I don't know, man. He just ran out of here like he saw a ghost. And I said, oh, well, all right. Well, if you see him, tell him to call me, man. He said, okay. All right, pastor. So I hang up the phone, and the Holy Spirit spoke to me again. And it wasn't a couple sentences like before. It just simply said one word that we all love to hear. Wait wait. How many of y'all like to wait? Right? I know there's crickets right now in the comments. We don't like to wait. But sometimes God makes us wait for days, for weeks, for months, for years, right? But in the waiting, God is working. In the waiting, God is doing something inside of us. He's showing up. Even if we don't feel it, he's working, y'all. But for me, you know what? Fortunately, it was only 15 minutes, and my phone rang, and it was him. And he was saying, hey, man, you know, I, man, I'm really sorry I was disrespecting you, and you're a pastor and stuff, and, you know, I'm just going through a lot of stuff right now, man. I'm just, you know, I just want to do the right thing, give you your phone back. And I'm like, I'm like, what, for real? And he said, yeah, man, you can just come over to my apartment right now, and you can just pick it up. And I said, all right, well, if I come over to your apartment, I'm bringing a big Tony with me. He said, oh, no, no, don't, don't bring nobody with you. Um, just, you know, just, I said, man, bro, you stole my phone, but you ain't going to take my life. Like, I'm coming with somebody if I come over there. And so I said, well, why don't we meet somewhere neutral? And I said, why don't you just come up to the church? So you ain't going to have no cops there. I said, no, you have my word. There'll be no cops. Just be me and you. Let's sit down. I want to meet you. I want to build. So I said, all right, man, I'm going to bring my neighbor. I said, bring whoever you want. He said, all right, I'll be there in a few minutes. So I get off the phone. I'm going around the office. I'm telling the other staff, like, yo, the dude that took my phone is coming up to the church, pray. And I'm all excited, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And like about an hour went by, and then I started to doubt. Sometimes we can begin to doubt the miracle 
when we're in the waiting, right? God already showed you what's going to happen, but it's not yet. And so we're like, oh, God, what's up? Man, maybe I should call the police. Maybe I should call some of the big guys and we'll go get my phone and i see where the dot is at. And God said, no, wait, wait, wait for it. And then the dot started moving. And I'm like, oh, yeah. And it's moving the wrong way. I'm like, oh, I know where that street is. I could pull up on him and be like, yo. God's like, wait for it. Wait, wait. And then it started moving the right way. I'm like, yes, he's coming down the block. So I go to the front doors of the church. We got some graphics on it. I'm looking through the graphics, and he can't see me, but I can see him, and he's walking across the parking lot with his neighbor, and I'm like, and I open up the door for him. He comes and walks in. We sit down on a couch in our cafe area in our lobby, and he pulls my phone out of his pocket, and he hands it to me. I took my phone, and I just put it on the side. I said, you know what? It's not even about this. It's about this right here. God set it up that you stole a pastor's phone and a pastor that raps so we could sit down and meet today and talk because God wants you to know that he loves you. He hasn't forgotten about you. He has a plan for you. Let me tell you something. We sat on that couch for over half an hour and we talked. I shared my story. He shared his story. We laughed. I prayed with him. I would have never thought in a million years that this guy that stole my phone that was cursing me out a few hours before that, we'd be sitting there and I'd be ministering to him. Listen, anytime there's opposition, God can show up and there can be an opportunity, y'all. There can be an opportunity. There's a whole lot more to that story, crazy stuff. I got to minister to the neighbor and I, mean, I wrote about it in my book called Rebuild. But, but here's our key rebuilding block today, Liquid Fam. Instead of listening to the ridicule, the resistance, and the rumors, I'm going to listen to God's voice. I'm going to listen to God's voice. And in this season of COVID-19, in this season where we see racial injustice, we see black men getting murdered, we see people of color facing all kinds of racism, we see political divides. We see all this division that's happening, all this noise. In this time more than ever, we need to hear the voice of God. And God wants to use his church, y'all, because every human being is made in the Imago Dei, the image of God. And we're called to love our neighbors, and many of our neighbors are not being treated in the right way. And it's time for the church to stand up and speak up against injustice and love our neighbors and find ways that we can serve them. And Liquid Church family, God is calling you. He wants to use you even more than ever during this season to be that river through the dry wasteland, to bring new life, to bring reconciliation and to bring healing to a hurting world, y'all. Listen, we're not gonna listen to the ridicule, the resistance, the rumors. We're gonna listen to God's voice and that opposition's gonna turn into opportunity. Nehemiah completed the walls in just 52 days. Miracle story. I know there's miracle stories that are gonna happen right here and right now if we listen to God's voice. So in this moment, I wanna ask you to do something a little bit different as we close this service together today. And I know many of you guys, are, you're watching this at home. You might be watching this in your bedroom, your living room, on your back porch, on your patio. Wherever you're at right now, you might be watching this at work. If you can, I want you to join me right now. I want you to just stand up 
and I want you to get down and kneel down. I want you to kneel down wherever you're at and do something different. I know this has been a different season. We're at home, we're just watching it, but I want to pretend, I want you to pretend you're in the room with me right now and we're kneeling before our heavenly father today. If you're out there today and you've been facing some opposition, you've been listening to the wrong voices, God wants clearly through all the noise for you to hear his voice. Let me pray for you today. Father, we come before you today with humble hearts, with knees bowed before you. Our good father, our creator, Jesus, I pray for every single person that's watching this live or on the replay. You know what they're facing right now. All of us, man, we face so much different opposition in 2020 that we never thought we would, like we never have before. But God, through all this, there's opportunity. God, show us what that opportunity is. God, help us to rise to the occasion, to not, not get baited into the ridicule, to not get stopped by the resistance, to not listen and digest the rumors, but God, to listen to your voice. And God, I pray for every person's needs out there. You know exactly where they're at right now, what that opposition looks like, and you know exactly what they need to overcome it today. God, I thank you for my Liquid Church family. I thank you, God, for what you've been doing in these last couple months, what you've been teaching us, what you've been showing us. God, give us exactly what we need for this next season. And Father, I pray for those that may not even have a relationship with you. I pray that right here, right now, maybe they're still just spectating and watching, but you're tugging on their heart right now. And the gospel, the good news, is just as simple as us saying, yes, I believe that Jesus died for my mistakes, for my sins, and three days later, he resurrected. And so God, I, I pray that even now, there's some people that are gonna do business with you and they're gonna say yes to Jesus. And it's more than just saying, yes, I believe, but then it's making a commitment to say, I will follow you. I admit I messed up, I sinned, I made mistakes, and now I'm gonna make you the leader of my life. So God, I pray for people right now that are doing that. God, bless, bless my liquid family today. Use them to bring that living water to the dry wasteland. In Jesus' name, amen.